Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me as usual from the beautiful offices in South Bend, Indiana, is my good friend and colleague who was just named the head of the Vatican's Pontifical Council for Awesomeness, <laughs> the one and only Ken Hellenius. Ken, how Greetings, you doing, my, my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The Pontifical Council for Awesomeness, that actually would be a pretty, pretty delightful job because there are some awesome things that go on uh, in the church without doubt, right? I mean, you know, think about, I would imagine that the Pontifical Council for Awesomeness would be involved with the uh, Congregation for Saints as well because the saints yeah. obviously are the best, right? These are the ones who really show us how to live the Christian life in their own specific setting. And that can be pretty darn awesome. Uh, so yeah, what a great job. What a good idea. Maybe you should suggest that at the next uh, synod meeting, you know, the next time we I have, will. They, they ask, there you go. We need more awesome. Yeah, and happy new year too. Happy new year to you. Uh, I mean, it seems like just, uh, just over a month ago would, when we were wishing one another happy new year as well, because of course there's the liturgical year and then there's the civil year, but happy new year to you. I, the thing I love, I think about uh, New Year's is getting the new, uh, like the tear off calendars. I love the ones that have like oh, dad yeah. jokes, uh, the terrible puns and things like that. Uh, so that's always a highlight for me. I like to usually wait until about the fifth or sixth of the, uh, new year though, because by then they're trying to clear them out so that they can put new stuff on the shelf so you can get them at a deep discount. That's a little pro tip from me to you, Deacon. That's an awesome <laughs> pro that. tip is what that is. <laughs> so did you make any uh, resolutions for the new year? Yeah, we were talking about that last week, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, I I'm, I kind of actually hinted at one that I've done, which was to, to wake up uh, a few minutes earlier each day so that I have a little time before, you know, Julie wakes up, before my beloved bride gets out of bed so that I can have a little time for prayer. And, uh, but I'm not a morning person. So this really is a challenge, right? But, uh, technology can help you on these sorts of things. So I have one of those magic, uh, abilities on, on, uh, with our lights to slowly raise the light, uh, you know, over a 20 minute period so that it's nice and bright by the time I open my eyes. So it's a little easier to, to, uh, awaken. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my resolution for 2023 is to build in, private time for prayer before everybody else in the house is awake. How about you? Oh, very good. Very good. As far as my resolution, I, I would say, well, you know, add another mass during the week, but that's kind of cheating because <laughs> I, I, when I travel, I do preach at masses during the week. That's, that's kind of, kind of part of the deal that comes with it. So I'm already, I'm already getting sometimes two, three masses, four masses a weekend. You know, so, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that, that wouldn't be much of a resolution yeah. or to read more, which is I'm constantly reading anyway. So that that that's not really a resolution. Um, so for me, just to keep going with my health journey, you know, and just keep focused and, and motivated on that, because it's, it's hard to get sidetracked when you, you get busy with other projects and, you know, you kind of like put things off and, ah, uh, you know, I'll just do my cardio 
you know, tomorrow or I'll just skip the gym today. You know, you, you want to get into that habit. So for me, just to keep being motivated, continue the, the health journey that I embarked on uh, toward the middle of last year and to uh, to keep all that going. Very good. Well, you're looking good, my friend. As I always like to say, compelling radio content when I tell you uh, that you're looking great. Of course, uh, that's because we don't have the webcam here to show the uh, show the <laughs> listeners. So here we are. Fortunately, you know, uh, please just imagine that we're handsome, uh, lovely men who are happily married and just joyful guys. That's pretty, relatively pretty accurate, though. So that's that's not too difficult to invite yeah, our listeners yeah, to yeah. think of, right? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're bro- we're two brothers with the same holy mother. There you go. Exactly, Holy Mother yeah. Church. Absolutely, and the same yeah. Blessed Mother yeah. at that. So. That's right. That's right. Of course, it was her feast day yesterday, the uh, Feast of Mary, Mother of God. Uh, this year, it was an easy Holy Day of Obligation because it fell on a Sunday. So that kind of made it a lot easier for, <laughs> for most of us as well. But uh, I like it when those when those sort of happen because you you, you get to actually observe the uh, feast and, and know that uh, it's not... Um, you know, you're not going to have to re. I, I guess that's going to sound really weird, right? You don't have to arrange your day around prayer. You should be in many ways, as I said. I'm getting up early in the morning so that I can add additional prayer time in. So yeah, holy days of obligation this year. You've already knocked one off the uh, off the old list. So that's a good deal. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, what I love about that too is that not many um, Christians who aren't Catholic would disagree very much with us about this one when it comes to Mary being mother of God. I mean, you know, there's still not many historians out there. Not, uh, not many. You know? not many. Uh, so at least this is a, a point of connection and a point of agreement when it comes to, uh, you know, our, our, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, you know, maybe a, a, a jumping off point, you know, uh, yeah. uh, talking about Mary as the mother of God, which is amazing. Again, her being mother, shows not only God's love for womanhood, but but shows off one of the most creative forces of the universe, which is motherhood. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, the, the very ability to house and to have a relationship with another person that is unlike any other physical relationship, right? Like, I choose to marry my beloved bride, but that's that's a relationship of choice that still does not mean that we share the same cells, right? She doesn't live yeah. inside me. Whereas children, you know, who live in the womb, who are formed in the womb, share the same cells as their mother. And some of their cells stay in their mother for the rest of her that's life right. as well. Which that's is right. which is a relationship unlike, again, any any other. It's it's absolutely a fantastic it's a true miracle, really is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this is a, a, a wonderful feast for us to remember uh, how awesome women are, you know? Amen. And, and imagine what the world would be like if every man looked at a woman and saw what Joseph saw every day, right? Or saw the monstrance, you know? That's, <laughs> she yeah. held God within her own body like a monstrance, you know, like a tabernacle. Imagine if we men looked at women that way. How, how awesome our world would be, you know, uh, how how much deeper, more intimate relationships will be, you know, not not just physical. I mean, just the, the level of intimacy we're able to share, we're able to look at each other through God's eyes, right? To see each other the way God sees us, you know, to look at women that way. 
that would be awesome. So that's something yes. we should strive for, Ken. Amen. We, sh- we should lead the way. Well, by gum, I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that. That's a, a heck of an invitation. There's a New Year's resolution for you, Deacon. There you go. Yeah, to, that's to right. That's right. Look at every woman we meet as, as having this tremendous gift of life, this this potential yes. gift of life. Even, even a nun, right? Even by a the nun. very nature, that they're still life givers and life bearers. Yep. Even though they may not bear a, 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 a physical human life, by the very nature of how they're created, though. They are life givers and life bearers. That's right. You know, so they, yeah. So that that's why a nun who doesn't have a baby, I mean, she, yeah, I, I've seen this where a nun picks up a baby and holds the baby. It's, it's just natural. She knows how to hold the baby. She knows what to say. She knows what to, how to calm the, it's like, it's just this beautiful feminine instinct, Yeah. you know, um, that just flows from women. It's just so beautiful to watch. Very different than when I hold a baby, which is usually about half arm arm's length. Kind of, kind of like the uh, at the beginning of the Lion King. You know, I hold the baby up and uh, and like, yep, well, there's the baby. You know, no, that's untrue. I love babies. I'm a good uncle. I'm a good uncle. I think yeah. I'm a good uncle. So, yeah. Well, well Deacon, we have been uh, having this fantastic conversation about pilgrimages and about um, about what it means to actually to journey, whether that be a physical journey or a spiritual journey that brings us from one place to another with the goal of moving towards God. And uh, sometimes, again, it's an external manifestation of an internal reality. It's an external walk that reflects the journey towards God that we are making spiritually. Um, and ultimately, it is that spiritual journey that is the single most important. We've been sharing this document, The Pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee, uh, a 1998 document from uh, the Vatican, uh, which uh, we've linked to on our Facebook page at Living Stones Media, um, freely available so you can read along with us. We started last week uh, having conversation about uh, paragraph 24. This entire section is called The Pilgrimage of Humankind. And uh, so that's where we're going to continue our conversation tonight. Last week, we kind of started talking about the pilgrimage of, of Abraham, our father in faith. And so this is where, again, pilgrimage was started from Abraham and is extended throughout the centuries as a sign of a vaster and universal movement of humankind. So this chapter is going to be about what we as, as humans have all done and, and what we continue to do in, in our day and age now and one of the things I find particularly interesting in this section is um, the document talks about humankind on the one hand seems to be going towards positive goals of different natures. There's worldwide integration in global systems, uh, but at the same time, the sensitivity for pluralism and respect for different historical and national identities are, uh, so those two are kind of intention, right? We're, We're growing towards a greater integrated kind of world, right? The world seems ever smaller. But at the same time, and we certainly see this in our news, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, the increased understanding and uh, identification of individual identities and identities of peoples is intention to that as well, because we grow protective of our own identities, and that becomes points of tension as against others. And I think recognizing that is an important thing for us to do, because it becomes a point of potential point of dialogue and conversation. 
absolutely. And what what I what I find very interesting about the document in this section is it, it begins to expand your idea of what a pilgrimage could be. So it talks about, for example, informatic or virtual pilgrimages, right? It talks about telecommunications, mm-hmm. you know, um, and how technology plays a role in our pilgrimage, you know. And I just didn't think. Well, obviously, we thought about that during the pandemic, right? Because Almost everything was done virtually, right? Right, and so this, including virtual pilgrimages. I mean, there was a uh, my good friends at Perusia in Australia did a an Advent virtual pilgrimage, and then they did a, a Lenten virtual pilgrimage during the 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 year of the pandemic. And um, you know, it was again a, a way for people using modern technology as a way to continue their journey of faith. You know, when we couldn't be together in person. Yeah. You know, so technology could be something that's very useful um, along the way of, of pilgrimage in, in life. You know, it's something that we shouldn't um, uh, shouldn't take for granted or, or think less of. That's, you know, I, th- I think that's important. That's actually something that I very much did during uh, the pandemic. It came across my Facebook feed one day, a, you know, a company that was doing these virtual runs, you know, and virtual walks and, and kind of things like that. And they had a whole different, you know, a whole different list. And one of them was the Camino to Santiago. And I said, well, gosh, that's something I would love to do. And so using my, my, uh, step tracker, it would track how many, how far I went each day. And it would then plot it out on, in the app on a, on a map and show me how much of the Camino I had done that day. And I'd set goals for myself and say, okay, well, you know, over the next, you know, 81 days, I'm going to walk the whole distance from St. John P. de Port, which is in France, all the way to Santiago de Compostela, you know? And so each day I had to go, you know, this many miles. Uh, and sometimes it would mean that I would take an extra lap around the neighborhood, you know, which was great because in the summertime, I attach the dog to the leash and she and I would walk around the block because I needed to add an additional, you know, half mile to get to my goal for the day. But I looked at it very much as I can't go to Spain right now, but I can do this little thing. And I can think about it as I, as I would look at the tracker each day, I would think, okay, today I'm this much closer to the virtual goal of Santiago de Compostela which is this pilgrimage route that's been in place for, you know, for hundreds of years, you know, and now the app I was using had no spiritual aspect to it. You know, it was more just, this is one option. So I had to build that in intentionally myself, but this is where Mm. this is the same as every other pilgrimage that we do of life, right? We have to be intentional about building prayer in, even if that's not the primary goal, even if that's not what's in place right here on my walk to work from the car, you know, from my parking place in the, in, in the parking lot to my office, I can be praying and I, and, and turning that into a little pilgrimage, praying for the students I'm going to meet today, praying for the uh, people that I'm going to reach out to when I send an email to 400 people, inviting them to the March for life, whatever it may be, we build prayer and intentionality into the works of our day as well. No, absolutely. And that's something that we should all be aware of, you know, that being that's I think is one way of being constantly present to, in the, uh, to the Lord. You know, uh, um, as St. Benedict says, you know, always, you know, uh, keep death daily before your eyes. You know, think about the ultimate reality of things, you know, and uh, something else this document says very interesting. 
it talks about the great lay pilgrims, right? Those who embarked on cultural or sports itineraries, as, as the document says. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, cultural or sports, you know, as a, as a way of pilgrimage, you know, and it talks about the Olympics specifically, um, right. you know, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a journey or a pilgrimage. And I never stopped to think about them before. You know, like culture or sports being a journey. Um, but I, I guess I noticed that too when um especially culturally, uh, with art, right? And, and you when you're younger, you know, you don't really appreciate art. Um, like going to museums and think, oh, this is boring, you know, I want to watch cartoons or whatever. But then right. how as you get older and mature, there's a deeper appreciation of the beauty of creativity in art. Or you know, uh, and in music, right? Your your musical vo- vo- uh, uh, vocabulary starts to expand, or a better appreciation of sports. Now, not becoming fanatical about it, but the idea of, of human competition and struggle and challenge and the preparation that goes into competing at that level, and uh, and all of that becomes more deeply appreciated as we uh, continue our journey through life. Um, so, and of course, John Paul too was a great lover of sports. Yep. You know, so and he, and he, and I think he was the only pope or the first pope to write about uh, an intrinsic connection between sports and athletics and and the spiritual life as, as well. So this is something that not often we think about, so I'm glad that this was brought out uh, in the document. Yeah, it reminds me of the fact, of course, that during the, in the original Olympics, this is, of course, before the time of Christ. This is, you know, in the 400s, uh, BC, the original Olympics was a time of peace. So when the Olympic Games were being held, the different warring city-states of Greece would conclude, they would have a peace treaty that was in place. So no battles could be fought during this time together. So when you think about it from that perspective, even the modern Olympics, which were reestablished in 1896, um, were meant to be a way to bring the nations of the world together in a non-combative way or in, I mean, you know, it's funny to describe it as non-combative. Of course, sports is indeed a battle between, you know, the different competitors of a different sort, right? It is a competition uh, that is friendly and that is meant to be full of honor and full of, of uh, kind of hope uh, as well. And as a reward for work that is done, you know, to prepare. Uh, But yeah, as far as, Bringing nations together, gosh, for the most part, I can think of, you know, in our day and age, gosh, what was it? The 1980 Olympics were the first that were kind of massive boycotts uh, of one of some countries against another. And that was really a blow to the meaning of sport as something that brings us together. Um, But we ourselves, we, you know, yeah, we in this day and age look at the Olympics as a way of bringing people together and bringing nations. Um, I think it's interesting too, in this section here, you know, ultimately uh, it goes on to in, in paragraph 30, say the March of humankind, therefore, notwithstanding its tensions and contradictions participates in the inevitable pilgrimage towards the kingdom of God, which the church is committed to announce and fulfill with courage, loyalty, and perseverance. In this itinerary, the church becomes a pilgrim with all men and women who search with a sincere heart for truth, justice, peace, 
and even with those who wander elsewhere, because, as Paul, citing Isaiah, recalled, God affirmed, quote, I have been found by those who did not seek me, and have revealed myself to those who did not consult me. This is ultimately, you know, think about the Vatican Museum. You know, think about the different shrines that are open to all people of the world, you know, that are held uh, where people can go and see the most beautiful works of art. People can go and kneel down in prayer in quiet and in solitude. Even people who are not themselves people of faith are prepared to have an encounter, to have an encounter with the Lord, an encounter with beauty, an encounter with truth, but most importantly, an encounter with love, the love of God. When we have this beautiful art and these beautiful works of of music and all of those, but ultimately it's the people who are there with them. Um, it's we ministers who invite and open the doors, open wide the doors to receive the people who are seeking and longing to encounter beauty, truth, and love, um, to show them love. That is our, our role as Christians, is to invite and to build up the people of God in charity. Um, and so that's something that I think of very much in our role is to help really facilitate as, as this scripture, as Paul says, I have been found by those who did not seek me and have revealed myself to those who did not consult me. That's what God does. God uses these as moments of grace to convert hearts. What I also love about this document, too, is that after what you beautifully so articulated there, Ken, is that it, it also draws us to the fact that along this journey of pilgrimages, there may be situations and circumstances that may challenge us uh, to really see God's love in certain situations. So it takes it, t- it talks, for example, in the next paragraph, paragraph 31, Auschwitz, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the Shoah, you know, and, and or Hiroshima, Nagasaki and and other places like that, you know, um, that human sin makes its way into this pilgrimage journey, but should not turn our hearts away from love. Right. A, a, away from God's ultimate purpose for our, our being in existence, you know, um, but but sometimes it can do that. You know, sometimes sometimes it could do that. We, we begin to doubt it, it shakes our faith. Because these um, uh, these things are so devastating, you know. Um, but this is where we this is where hope comes into into play, you know. Um, remembering that these these struggles along the way of pilgrimage is not, is not the end, you know. Like the the cross is a beautiful, I think, sign that I turn to when I'm struggling in life. I, I look at that crucifix, and I know that that whatever I'm going through right now is not the end of the pilgrimage journey. Uh, And sometimes even in a way it's necessary because God can use those things to expand our hearts, you know, to create more room in, in, in our, in our being for, for his love to, to fill us even in times of, of sorrow, even in times of uh, temptation. I wonder, do you have examples uh, from your own pilgrimages, which have been, you know, numerous and extensive compared to the few that I've been able to go on. Um, I know having 
spent time uh, in the Holy Land at Yad Vashem, which is the, you know, the Holocaust Museum. I mean, it's numbing. It's absolutely, yeah. you know, and yet you you don't want to look away because you, you want to imprint it on your mind. You want to imprint it and say, you know, of course, the, the phrase is never again, right? Um, and so you, you want to, in many ways, I found myself wanting to imprint this on my mind also as a remembrance of each of these photos is a real person. Each of these photos is somebody who is loved by God. And each, each of these photos represents, you know, a family that is torn apart, you know. Um, and so I'm wondering if, if you've had experiences like that in your own kind of pilgrimages. Yeah, most especially at Auschwitz and Birkenau. You know, those were, mm-hmm. those were just uh, incredibly powerful experiences. You know, because usually on pilgrimage, you're like, you're excited. Oh, I can't wait to see this today i can't like what john paul ii in poland i can't wait to go to john paul ii shrine you know just yeah, <laughs> just to, yeah. to, to just revel in the life of, of one of my heroes but it's not that way going to auschwitz or birkenau you know it's like it's 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 numbing mm-hmm. it's sad um you know sometimes there's anger like how could human beings do this to each other but but also I think it's and seeing the cell I think I mentioned this before where Maximilian Colby died mm-hmm. you know um, all of that was just sobering um, and uh, you know it, it 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 helped me in the sense that you know what can I do to make sure that the dignity of the human person every human person is respected and so that something like this never happens again yeah you know yeah yeah. Well, that's the invitation that we encounter when we uh, when we go on pilgrimage. That's the invitation that we encounter when we read the scriptures, when we make a, a virtual pilgrimage, when we uh, when we encounter another. We are invited to show mercy, and that ultimately is uh, this. This whole section ends with this idea. That's the meaning of the jubilee of mercy that appears. Uh, at the horizon of the third millennium, they were writing this, of course, looking ahead to the great Jubilee, but that too is our, is our call and our invitation is to show mercy toward everyone that we meet in order that they too might encounter the God of love, the God who loves them, the God who has come to save them in the incarnation. And so we've run out of time for this evening, but that's a good thing to remember is to show mercy in this coming week and to show mercy at all times. But uh, Deacon, might we, until we gather next week, uh, might we have a blessing? Sure, may Almighty God bless you, keep you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M A T E R D E I radio.com.